Wow, we just uh, got to witness something incredibly special. It's not something that goes on in many churches nowadays uh, as we witness the ordination of Nathan into the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Um, Last week, Nathan preached about one of the names of God as being Lord or Adonai, if you were here then. And today, we were able to witness and share in the honor of watching Nathan declare that because Jesus is his Lord, because he is his Adonai, he is choosing to dedicate his life to the ministry of the gospel. That is exciting. Because after nearly 50 years of ministry, and I know I'm dating myself, <laughs> but that's, that's just a reality that has hit me recently, but also a lifetime of growing up around it as a missionary kid, I can tell you that what he has chosen will not be easy. And I'm sure Nathan has already experienced a little bit of this in the five to six years that he's been with with Southwest, because ministry is a calling that can easily burden, it can easily challenge, it can easily overwhelm. Right now, surveys are showing that ministers are leaving their calling in record numbers due to burnout, due to opposition, due to discouragement. And at the same time, having been here for um, about 10 months now, uh, I also realize that this church has been incredibly supportive of their ministers. And I'm grateful for that. But where true strength lies in ministry, as well as in our daily walks with Jesus in all avenues of life, is in knowing Jesus and knowing God as El Shaddai, which we just sang about. See, we've been looking at the names of God for the past few weeks. And, and the names that God himself uses to describe himself so that we can know who he is, what he's like, and rest in him and in that reality. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Andrew shared that, that God describes himself as Elohim, that is the creator God, the one through, whom, through whose words the world came into being, and through whom himself, Jesus himself created the world. Last week, Nathan shared that he's Adonai, Lord over everything in our lives. I love the words of John Maxwell, who uh, preached a series of messages, and one of the mantras that he used all the way through this series of messages, which I think lasted eight to ten weeks, was this, either he is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. And I'd like for you to just really reflect on that for just a moment because there's so much truth to it. And this week we want to look at another name that God uses to describe himself and that is Adonai, Lord Almighty. And simply put, if you're to go ahead and try to wrap this in just a a simple, simple thought, is that God has the power to do things that we can't even conceive of. He's the one we worship because he's so much greater than ourselves. 
But he's so much more than that. He is El Shaddai. In addition to being the creator God, the one who fashioned us in his image and the ruler of all aspects of our lives, he is all-powerful, all-sufficient, nourishing, comforting, and able to do far more than we ask or imagine. A week before his crucifixion, we've entered into what is considered the Lent season. It happened on Valentine's Day, by the way. Uh, That's when it started. But a week before his crucifixion, Jesus entered in, through the, into the walls of Jerusalem or approached the outskirts of Jerusalem and rode into the city on a donkey amid the shouts of the people. Because when they saw him coming in on that foal of a donkey, they, they recognized the words of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which prophesied that the king was going to come that way. And when people saw Jesus come in, they celebrated and they shouted, according to John 12, 13, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And they waved palm branches as if to greet royalty. They looked forward to this king. They had been under oppression by the Roman government. They had been conquered. They had been used. They had been abused. And yet they had seen this king do some miraculous thing like feed the 5,000, heal the blind and the lame and the demon-possessed, raising Lazarus from the dead. And they wanted Jesus as their king. They really did. But they wanted him as king for all the wrong reasons. Because they imagined that Jesus as king would provide them all that they wanted instead of him ruling in righteousness. That, that is, they would have all the food that they needed. They would, they would have a strong ruler who would control things politically and actually lead armies to win against the Roman Empire. He would be unstoppable, almighty, almighty in, their, in, in their views, and, and as a good king. He'd provide them with prosperity, comfort, sufficiency, abundance, everything that they wanted. And isn't that just like us? Aren't we like that too? We often think that if we follow Jesus, everything's going to be fine and honky-dory in life. We won't have a worry He'll take care of us. He'll give us everything that we want. He'll give us a nice house. He'll give us a happy family. He'll he'll give us a successful business or a secure job or a life that's free of trouble. But then when trouble does come, and it's probably hit some of you this week in strong, strong doses, Whenever it takes longer than we think to right wrongs or to achieve what we want or to remove that difficulty, we get discouraged and we say, well, where is this? Where is this El Shaddai? Where is he? Where, 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 why isn't he showing up? And like the crowd, we want the Lord to do what we think is important and free us from the problems that we face or fail or refuse to realize 
that Jesus is El Shaddai, the almighty, the nourishing, all-sufficient God who really came for another reason. He came to deal with the root of all of our problems, the root of all of our struggles, the root of all of our, 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 our failures, and that is sin. We don't like to use that term in the church very much. We don't like to use it in culture either because we don't like to look at the fact that we are sinful. We are flawed by sin and separated by, from God because of that. And when Jesus came into Jerusalem, he came to free people. He came to free people from something they never conceived of or imagined, which was enslaving them. He came to do so much more than they imagined. He came to die so that we might live. He did what we couldn't do on our own. You see, we want simple helps. But God in Jesus Christ provides us with so much more. And the first time we hear of El Shaddai is in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 17, as a matter of fact, and it details a portion or a section of the life of Abram who, who had, in Genesis chapter 12, when he was 75 years of age, had been called by God to literally move from the area that he lived in and leave his family, leave everything that he held dear and that he grew up with and go to a land that God would show him. And so he took his wife Sarai, and he took his household servants and his um, investments and his flocks, and he traveled hundreds of miles to this land that he didn't know anything about. Later on in Genesis chapter 15, Je Abram was promised that by God that in him or through him, that is through a child of his, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. There was only one problem in Abram's mind, and that is that Sarah couldn't have children. But God promised that a great nation would come through him, and Abram chose to believe God, and he continued to obey him. Ten more years went by. Abram was now 85 and Sarah was 75 and they realized that this was going nowhere if you know what I mean uh, how in the world is a 75 year old lady going to have a child you know how's that going to happen so they wondered if maybe they needed to help God out a little bit and Genesis chapter 16 tells us that Sarah Sarai had a slave girl named Hagar, and she told Abraham that he, would, that he should have a child through her since Sarai was so old. So Ishmael was born to Abram through Hagar, the slave girl. And yet God had other plans. So in Genesis chapter 17, beginning with verse 1, after Abram had lived another 14 years after that child was born, God spoke to him again. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. And Abram fell face down. 
I am the Lord, I am God Almighty. I am the Lord Almighty. That is the term El Shaddai. And as El Shaddai, Abram comforts, or God comforts not only Abram, but he gives him and Sarai new names. But basically says to him, Abram, you thought you had this all figured out. And you had a great way to go ahead and take care of things. But I want to do so much more. And he promised that Sarai herself would bear a son to Abram and would name him Isaac. And the new names that God chose to give to Abram, A-B-R-A-M, and Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, changed from exalted father to father of many nations, from Abram to Abraham, and then from contentious princess to royal princess, from Sarai to now Sarah. And that was a reflection. Their names were a reflection of the covenant that God made with them. And a year later, Isaac was born. Abram was 99 years old. Guys, how would you like to be dads that late in life? Wouldn't that be fun? <sighs> um, Social Security might frown on that, you know. You, you never know. Uh, impossible? Humanly speaking, it was. But not when El Shaddai, the Almighty, comforting and nurturing God of immeasurably more is involved. And through all of this, God established a covenant with Abram. And a covenant is something incredibly, incredibly special. We think of contracts in our culture, and contracts are broken all the time, aren't they? Uh, we just kind of see, look at them, and we say, well, there's probably a loophole that we can go ahead and, 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 and figure out. But covenants are binding for a lifetime. They cannot be broken until the death of the one making it, especially when God is involved. And that's why in marriage ceremonies, we often use the terms, till death do us part. It's a covenant. It's for a lifetime until one of the givers of that covenant dies. And when Jesus died, the old covenant of laws and regulations which Romans chapter 3, verse 20 says, was given to help us recognize just how crooked we were, how sinful we were in light of the holiness of God. It ended. It ended because the giver of the covenant, God himself, died for us in Jesus Christ. And a new covenant is now in effect. And all who accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior are given a new name that is above every name. And if you're a follower of Jesus, your name is Christian. Your name is Christ follower. That is who you are. You are defined by the name that is above every other name. 
the humanly impossible, the immeasurably more thing that God does is that by grace, he looks at you, he looks at me, he looks at all of us, and he sees us in Christ as perfect in spite of our sin, but he views us through the blood of Jesus and his righteousness. Galatians tells us that we are clothed with Christ and his righteousness when we're baptized. You're not chosen, or you are chosen, you're not forsaken, excuse me. Let me say that again, you are chosen. You are not forsaken. You're not, you're not just unimportant to him. Every single one of us matter dearly to him. He is for you. He's not against you. And that is exactly who God thinks you are. You are incredibly valuable to him. He is El Shaddai, the almighty, the all-comforting, the all-nurturing God. And get this about El Shaddai. El Shaddai is tough, but he's also tender. He's wild, but he's also wondrous. He's unstoppable, and yet he's always upholding. And El Shaddai provides when we can't see how. And that's what makes the story of Abram and Sarah so incredibly amazing as it unfolds in the early pages of history and, and, and sets the pace of what God is doing through history and continues to do today. Because they had all but given up on the possibility of having a child. It seemed impossible. But El Shaddai makes himself known within the context of the impossible. Abram and Sarah thought that they knew what God's plan would look like. That is, they had this idea, well, with Hagar, there's Ishmael, everything will work out just fine, but God supplied so much more than they imagined. God is an unstoppable God who does impossible things. He is a but-God kind of God. You can look at situations and you can say, there's just no way. But God, when God's involved, things happen. In the book of Jeremiah, the prophet's told by God that buy a field from a relative. And yet Jeremiah knew that there was impending destruction for Jerusalem and there was going to be invasion of the country. And it, it didn't make sense. So he asks why. And God responds by saying that though the nation would be destroyed, the time would come when people would return once again and settle in safety in the land of Israel. And in Jeremiah 32, verse 27, the Lord says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? And Jesus said when talking about salvation, that through man's efforts, it seems impossible. He says in Matthew 19, verse 26, with man this is impossible, but with all things are possible with God. I suspect, though, that there are times when we want God to take care of things that we could take care of ourselves. Hear me out here, okay? Okay. I know of a prominent preacher who was asked to go to 
um, a ladies' brunch several years ago. He spoke at, at, at this church. And before he spoke, a missionary gave a report about some things that were taking place in the mission that they supported and, 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 and let the ladies know, and there were several there, um, what was going on and relayed an immediate need that would cost $4,000 that the mission did not have in any way, shape, or form. And the president of the ladies' group listened attentively and then got up and she spoke and she said, well, uh, I, I, I so thank Sister So-and-so for sharing about the work of the mission. Uh, we're going to go ahead and pray about that. And then we'll move on with our program. And she invited this speaker to come up and pray. And he got up and he says, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to ask for God to do something that you can provide if all of you would open your purses and empty your wallets of any loose cash right now, there is probably more than enough to cover the need that this missionary just outlined. So empty your wallets, give your loose cash, and if we don't have enough, then I'll pray. <laughs> and he went and sat down. And there was an awkward silence and then people started rustling and they started opening their purses and they pulled out their cash and they gave it. And over $4,000 was collected, enough to meet the need of what the missionary meant. You see, that's, that's, that's what happens so often. We want God to do what we know that we should do. And sometimes we are guilty of using prayer as a, as, a, as a shield from acting on what it is that he provides for us and how he provides through us. And folks, let's be honest. Sometimes we need to get uncomfortable so that God can comfort us Sometimes we need to step out and know that it's going to be hard and that it'll demand us something of us and, and may even call for a sacrifice and trust that God's going to be sufficient for it. But there are times when some seemingly impossible things pop up. Maybe an incurable illness or a lengthy one or tragic accident or loss or, or maybe it's abandonment or abuse or senseless evil and you've done everything that you can but now you call out to El Shaddai who provides even when you can't see how. Tony Evans asked, how can we know that something is supplied by God? And he answers that, that question with the work of El Shaddai, and he says that God supplies in two ways. He supplies when it's beyond our capacity. Abraham and Sarah knew that it was humanly impossible to bear a child. Only God could make that possible. 
And my question to each one of us today is, what do we face today that is humanly impossible apart from God intervening? But the second thing that he mentions is that God leaves leftovers. Back in the Gospels, Jesus fed the 5,000. And after feeding the 5,000 in John chapter 6, it says that 12 basketfuls, I mean, these were big baskets. They were about this size. They were 12 basketfuls of leftovers were collected after the crowd was fed. You see, God doesn't just barely supply our needs. He is able to give us far, far more than we need. He uses leftovers to bless us with, but also to bless others with. And as a result, we don't merely have enough. We have more than enough. There's a story of a fisherman who went out to fish with a buddy. And one of the fishermen was catching huge fish. But then he was taking them and throwing them back into the water. And whenever he caught the smaller fish, he'd keep them. And the friend was puzzled and he'd say, what, what, what in the world are you doing? Why are you throwing back all the big fish and keeping the small ones for yourself? And the man simply responded, I only have a 10-inch frying pan. How often do we think that this is all we can do? How often do we think, do we settle for what we think will fit in our lives and miss out on and toss away the amazing things God wants to bless us with? He is El Shaddai, folks. He provides when we can't say see ha. He, prov- he, he, he provides forgiveness through the death of his one and only son. And he provides eternal life through his resurrection and so, so much more. Not just in eternity, but even now. And it's time that we trust in the one who can do far more than what we ask or think. That is El Shaddai. I appreciated the fact that Cal uh, prayed this prayer and closed with these words which I want to share with you. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his great power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Folks, there are some of you here today who need to take a step of faith. For some, You've been, you've been teetering on the line, and it's time for you to go all in and surrender to Jesus in baptism. For others, you need to have that difficult conversation, or you need to seek that counseling to repair a broken marriage, or you need to trust that God will use you to take that step of faith in your business. Some of you need to follow God's call to ministry in your life, just as Nathan did. Maybe you need to respond to volunteer and serve here at Southwest, even though that's not the thing that you ever really envision doing. Or maybe you need to step up and be willing to go on that mission trip 
even though flying scares the wajibis out of you. Because you need to trust that God is El Shaddai. You're all-powerful, all-nurturing, all-comforting master provider who surprises you with immeasurably more. We have something that we call communion that we partake of every single Sunday. Simply because it's something that Jesus did. He instituted it with his disciples and he said, do this in remembrance of me. And each time we partake, we remember, we remember that his body was beaten beyond recognition to take the penalty or the, the punishment of our sin on him. And we drink some juice to remember that his blood was shed to cover our sins, to forgive them, to remove them as far as the east is from the west from us. We celebrate a risen Savior, the one who is alive and is coming back for us. And in this simple act, we are remembering all those things about him. And we're taking time to say thank you. We're taking time to worship him. We're taking time to recommit ourselves to him and maybe even surrender a given area of our life to him. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna take the bread and the cup together and let's celebrate what it is that he's done. Father, we just thank you so much for all that you are and all that you've done. Thank you that you are El Shaddai, the God who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And Lord, we come before you as human beings that Sometimes we don't know which way we're going. But because of Jesus, we know where you're leading us. And we know that you're with us now. We celebrate the way. We celebrate the one who is truth, the one who is life. And we thank you for doing immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, says Jesus. So all of you drink this. This cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for many for the remission of sins. Drink all of it, says Jesus. bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he